Welcome to the CEC Report. It's the 22nd of March. I'm Robert Barwick and I'm joined today by CEC leader Craig Isherwood. Welcome, Craig. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. In this week's CEC Report, shock, media reports the truth. Hold the presses. <laughs> Australia could trigger the next global financial meltdown. And moratorium on home and farm foreclosures now. Um, Craig, before we begin, just a few announcements. Remind viewers, we need you, if you haven't yet, make your submission to the Senate inquiry into the bank separation bill. Submissions don't um, close until the 12th of April, but don't put it off. Make sure you make that submission. This is very, very important. And the more submissions we can generate, the more chance we will have of getting public hearings and just keep pushing this, this need for bank separation further and further forward. All right, and, and people want to put a submission in and never done it before they go to our website, uh, which is on the screen now, and they can find how you can do it. There's, there's, yes, that's right. We've made instructions at, at the request of viewers. Yeah. We provide instructions and a template. It's a, it's a loose template because we want them to have your own, mostly your own ideas, but there's, there's a definite template there. So please, if that's what you've been waiting for, go and do it and do it now. So that's very important. Um, second thing, what we go through in the CEC report is covered in our weekly magazine, the Australian Alert Service. If you haven't seen this before, call in on our toll-free number and get yourself a free copy, right? So this is, we can't do justice to the subjects on the show because we have a time limit. Um, this is where it's, it's laid out in detail. So please do that. Uh, and then, Craig, a couple other things just quickly before we start. Um, you were informed yesterday by the Australian Electoral Commission that, and this is just something for the public to know, which is an example of how the system is rigged. The major parties get to make these rules themselves. Mm. They have, between them, they have decided that the cost of, of declaring as a candidate has been doubled from yeah. $1,000 to $2,000. Now, this used to be, you know, when we started off in, political, in the political realm back in the 90s, Robbie, $250 yes. for a House of Reps candidate and $500 for a senator. Then they used the excuse that the Senate ballot paper got too big, therefore we have to increase the Senate up to $2,000. But... It's not the real reason because, I mean, House of Reps ballot yeah. papers aren't going to be a metre long. What it's coinciding with, Craig, is the, is the steady increase in the non-major party vote. And the That's major right. parties are doing everything in their power to try and suppress democracy. This is how they use money to suppress democracy. So, again, that's, that underscores the importance of our campaigns around things like um, Glass-Steagall, right? You can have a direct... You can make um, bring reality to their door, democratic reality to their door, even without voting. Right, in between elections, so do that. And then just very quickly, um, uh, a week ago, after the CEC episode was, put, was recorded, we had this terrible massacre in Christchurch in, Christchurch in New Zealand, right? And it's a terrible thing. We're not going to go through anything about it today. Um, what I just want to mention is, since it's happened, there's been a lot of recriminations back in Australia between <laughs> all the parties, right? They're trying, it's like... You can, it's like they're trying to make it about themselves. Um, and these are parties, Craig, that we're trying to work with, frankly, to pass Glass-Steagall, mm -hmm. right? They, 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 actually, they actually agree on some banking policies, but they violently disagree on this. We don't, disagree, we don't agree with some of these parties on the Islamic question, right, and on refugees, and the CEC is known for that. Um, but this has become a... It's getting out of control in many respects in the Australian media, if you're, think, think, if you're, if you're watching what we're watching. And so, again, we need to get the pol political structures in Australia back on track of focusing on the real issues, right, and not getting off in all these recriminations. And that is the real... What are the real threats to Australia, right? It's not 
Muslims, right? That's a you know that's a that's a, a jerky thing to say. Um, it's a system that's that likes pitting people against each other and taking advantage of us all at the same time. And that starts with the banking system. Let's fix that, right? And you and me and Craig and everyone who watches this and all Australians, if we focus on that, we can actually get some changes here, and that that'll be, that'll benefit Australia and frankly the whole world because we'll catch on. So that's, that's our comment on that for now. And, you know, when more things become clear, we might have actually some things to say about the actual event. So, Craig, that said, let's get into it. Shock. Media reports the truth. Australia could trigger the next global financial meltdown. So the question is, what's the biggest shock? That the media reports the <laughs> truth or Australia could trigger the next global financial meltdown? What we're talking about is on um, news.com.au this week had this headline, Australia could be first domino to fall in next global financial crisis. And the subhead was a collapse in the housing market could spill into the banking sector and send shock waves through the global economy, experts have warned. And Craig, what's important about this article in news is that it's giving voice to something that we have been saying in this show for a long time, mm -hmm. not, you know, not, just, not just in the last few days, a long time. Um, that, that, and, and, what, and one of the things, and we'll talk about that in a minute more, is the question of derivatives, right? That's what ties our banks in with the rest of the world, and our banks are in trouble, and this is what people start to look at. So the article quotes three people that we know very well, John Adams, the outspoken um, economist, and he, the, the, the main point he made is he's been warning of economic Armageddon for quite a few years now, he always assumed it would be triggered, an Armageddon in Australia, an economic Armageddon would be triggered by an external shock. And now what's happening in the housing market is getting so bad, and when, especially when you look at parallels to Ireland, which he draws out in this article, um, the author draws out in this article, is, is, is so serious now, it's possible that the, that the crash could start here, mm. right? And then transfer overseas. Um, the banking and uh, real estate expert Martin North uh, he's quoted in the article, he's, he's pointing out that prices of houses are down 10% in Melbourne already, 14% um, in Sydney. He says 20%, when they get to 20% down, that'll be a key turning point. At a certain point, if you start seeing unemployment going up, he said that's when you'll know the crash has started. And the reason why is because the biggest employer in Australia is construction. Right, and when this the, these this collapses in property values transfers into deals not going through, etc., and the construction industry stopping and people getting offloaded, uh, losing their jobs, then watch out. Um, so this that's that's Martin North's warning. He also points out that by the time they get to twenty percent down, banks should have to mark to market. It's called right, revalue their assets at what their current market value is, and that could wreak havoc on their capital. Right, and show them to be actually insolvent. Um, the third person in the article quotes is Eddie Hobbs, who is an Irish financial uh, expert. He lived, he predicted, and lived through the 2008 Irish crash. And he points in there, out in the article that from where he's from where he stands in Ireland, Australia is copying all the same mistakes. Right. So this is significant. Now, how does it? How could this become a threat to the world? Um, First, Australia's banks have been identified as what's called a global systemic threat. So there's all these banks in the world, Craig, that are called globally systemically important banks. GSIBs, that's the acronym for them. Australia doesn't have a GSIB bank. Not one of our banks is big enough to, on its own, be a Lehman Brothers. 
but the Financial Stability Board in Switzerland years ago identified that the four of them together, right, are capable of having that same effect. And they all have the same business model, Robert. That's the point. I mean, they have the same exposure to the housing market, which is huge, 60%, 70%. They have a huge exposure to overseas borrowing, like for capital coming in, which, of course, during the global financial crisis required the Rudd government at that point to lend the Australian government's you know, AAA credit rating. Well, it, was a huge, it was a huge danger then. The, the capital markets then had called in $50 billion of the the 90-day debt that the banks had owed, and they yeah. couldn't pay it. And that's when Rudd intervened, and they're back to that level of exposure now. And in the article, you know, the, the household debt to GDP has gone through the roof. It's one of the highest in the world. Yep. The household indebtedness as, as a function of income has gone through the roof. I mean, it's 200% or something like that. So you're talking about markers here, not just one market or two, but multiple markers that are saying, and this is why John is saying what he's saying, is because look at the whole picture. And most economists don't want to look at this stuff. They know that. Well, I'm glad you said that because this article, oh, before, well, before I get to that, the other issue is the der- der- derivatives, right? Yeah. The, 38, the way derivatives work is the banks have $38 trillion in derivatives. They fluctuate slightly, but, you know, so people, if you're confused because we've said 40, they were 40 a little while ago, now they're 38, but they're not, it's not because they're selling them. They were zero uh, in 1990, right? They were zero in 1990. So they've got $38 trillion in derivatives, but they have all these counterparties. And one bank can have hundreds and even thousands of counterparties. Right, and a lot of the counterparties are with overseas banks. And if a crisis in the in the property market here bankrupts our banks and they default on their derivatives, those defaults are against um, institutions around the world. And if say you got here's Deutsche Bank, a bank that's been that's the biggest derivatives basket case in the world, this massive German bank. If a default from Australia's banks spread to Deutsche Bank, we could be the the first explosion that triggers a secondary explosion that blows the whole thing up. Mm-hmm. This is this is how this could this is the point with this. Anyway, um, so back to the the establishment economists, Craig. Um, they have freaked out at this article. The fact, like you know, for the for a mainstream news to report this has has freaked everybody out. So one of them, one of the establishment economists, Peter Switzer, has a show on Sky's Channel Six Hundred One, which is called um, Your Money. Um, he challenged John Adams to a debate on that show, and John Adams has accepted. And we're, so we're announcing this now because everyone, if you can, watch it. It'll be on Monday night. So we're, this is Friday morning. Depends on when you get to watch this. But if, you, if you're seeing this on YouTube this weekend, Monday night, it's on Foxtel Channel 601 on Your Money. It's on Free-to-Air Channel 95, and it, you can watch it a live stream on www.yourmoney.com.au forward slash watch forward slash live. And this is probably going to be the first time this is seriously dealt with on Australian television, right? Because you've got total denial there's a problem and you've got someone, John, who's a real expert in, in how this is a real bubble and they're going to go head to head, right? And this could go down, this could be one of those things that people look back on later and go, yeah, that's, that's when the warning started breaking through of where we've got to. It's a bit right? like the very first Q&A, Robbie, where we had 18 yeah. members of the CEC in the audience to, uh, and there was a debate was about... Uh, the, uh, the the program um, the great global warming the great, swindle great global warming swindle they shut it down because the questions weren't coming the way that they wanted that's right but that was the first time that it was actually so debated. we dom- our people dominated that question exactly CEC has never been allowed at Q and A ever since that's correct anyway all right so that's that we urge people to do that let's have a quick break and continue afterwards. Welcome back to the CEC Report, where we're talking about shock 
Media reports the truth. Australia could trigger the next global financial crisis. And what this raises, Craig, is it makes bail-in, the threat of bail-in, where your deposits can be stolen to prop up a bank, an, an immediate danger. Because the main reason the authorities would demand a bail-in is to stop a crisis in Australia triggering a bigger crisis yeah. overseas. That's what bail-in was invented for, right? So if this scenario that John and Martin and Eddie are warning about in this article happens and that we've been warning about, that's when the IMF gets on the line and says, you've got to bail in and the government will. So um, the other day, last week, you and Elisa talked about how historically we had bail in Australia more than 100 years ago in 1893. John Adams and Martin North in the, in the channel, in the interests of the people, have just put up a pro, an episode called It's Too Late, Bail-In Has Already Happened. I urge people to watch that um, for the details of what happened in, in 1892 because John, John Adams did, has done a lot of research on it. So go watch that program for yourself. But I just want you to see um, their take on the government's denials now that bail-in could happen and what this means for us. But, but anyone who says... Um, that there's no agenda here. The international elite have said to our elite, get your ship in order, get these bail-ins on the table because, uh, because you know, um, there is a possibility that our banks, you know, as, as the property market falls, as unemployment goes up, particularly in the construction sector, retail, re, uh, real estate, as people can't pay their bills, as defaults rise, if our banks get into trouble and we're one of the first set of banks to be in trouble, well, what are the, the international bodies like the BIS and the IMF, they don't want our problems to collapse the entire global system. And so they may, so this is like a shot across the bow. You know, you know, if you've got a crisis of your own making, make sure it doesn't affect the rest of the world. And, and this is obviously why they say bring in statutory bail-in uh, according, to, according to best international practice. But, but, but yeah, you know, any, any of these people who say, now, uh, to be fair, the government didn't, re you know, so, so there wasn't a formal recommendation. I mean, there was this paragraph, but there was no, you know, we recommend, there was no language we recommend, but they just, they just said bring it in. Now, in the response to the report, the government didn't say anything about this. So, so they didn't say we agreed, they didn't say we disagree, they just had a basically non-response. So what is the real thinking of officialdom? What does Treasury really think the RBA, uh, APRA, the Council of Financial Regulators, they know what the international elite have told them, are they basically going to say, get stuffed, um, or we don't want to play ball, or we will do it, but we just can't tell people because if we do, there'd be a run on the bank. So uh, I don't know, Martin, do you have any insights as to whether um, uh, you know, Wayne Byers and Philip Lowe acted like you know, good little puppy dogs in front of the IMF and say, yes, master, we're going to do whatever you say? I think it's the way that we'll play it in Australia typically is we'll keep it as vague and as loose and as flaccid as we possibly can to give maximum flexibility, minimum transparency, and then if something comes up where they have to react to, they'll react. That's how I think they'll play it. So I don't expect to see any further changes to the bail-in structure based on the IMF recommendation. But it does put into sharp contrast the fact that in Australia we've got vagueness, ambiguity, right? Comparing it with what the IMF is saying, what the FSB is saying, what New Zealand is saying. If I were a depositor, I would still be concerned. Yes. So, so, so to summarise the conversation, 
You and I have found a loophole that says bail-in is legal today. The establishment, you know, most, here's the thing, most of these politicians, they don't even read the laws that they, that, that, that they pass. Uh, so when, when a politician says, most of these politicians, Treasury has come up with a script, this script has been circulated around Parliament, um, and, and, and this is what our viewers are getting. So, but, but have the parliaments read the law? Do they actually understand the issues? The answer is categorically no. And I've spoken to some of these politicians and they have no idea what's really going on. And they, these guys in parliament are being paid $200,000 a year, number one. Number two is the IMF has given the order, get your house in order, institute bail-in because we don't want your banks to, to blow up the global financial system. And point number three, anyone who says this cannot happen in this country, it's already happened. So, so, so let's cut the BS, you know, all of this propaganda about, you know, North and Adams uh, are being fear mongers. I'm, I get this on social media all the time. I'm a lunatic. I'm a scaremonger. You've got a mental health issue. Go to hospital. I, 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 even last night, abuse on social media. Well, you know, anyone who thinks that this is what happens in Cyprus can't happen here, I just want you to go tell them it's happened. Um, you know, it's happened once. It can happen again. We may have actually invented this whole, like, like the, 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 the whole scheme, uh, and people need to wake up because Armageddon is coming, and, and, and the banking system um, has a lot more systemic risk than what APRA and the RBA are willing to openly admit. All right, so that's pretty stark. Craig, let's take another break. Welcome back to the CEC Report. Finally, we need an emergency moratorium on home and farm foreclosures now. So Craig, with the danger, the property bubble is coming down, right? And um, this spells danger for homeowners in a yep. big way, right? What we, can, we have to avert, a, so we have to be prepared to avert a social catastrophe. So the CEC is pushing a lot of policies, but some, have a, some are going to be more relevant immediately now, not just waiting for a bank restructuring. And one of those is making sure we don't see in Australia what happened in the United States, where there was 12 million people thrown out of their homes in the wake of the global financial crisis mm -hmm. by banks that had caused the crisis, yes. right? And then um, in, often they didn't have the title of the homes. Now, this is, I really urge people to watch this. There's a movie made a few years ago called 99 Homes that, that dramatised this. It's, it's definitely worth watching. Here's a quick clip just to bring home the human cost here. He's at the window. Sheriff's Department, come to the door. What? Sheriffs are here. Good afternoon. Afternoon. I'm uh, Deputy Anderson with the Sheriff's Department, and uh, we're here to serve you with a court-ordered eviction. Okay. Well, so, sir, ma'am, uh, do you have any weapons on your body or anywhere in the house that we need to know about? No, 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 no. Uh, not Mr. Carver. Good morning, sir. Ma'am, my name's Rick Carver. I'm a licensed real estate broker. Mr. Carver. Rick. Hi. And uh, 
I'm very sorry to tell you that this home has been foreclosed on and officially transferred to the bank. And I'm going to need you to please vacate the premises. No, now. I, I understand what you're saying, Mr. Carver. And I've, 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 we've been getting our eviction notices. I was in court yesterday. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, the judge informed me that I got 30 days to yeah. file for an appeal. And that's what I intend to well, do. Well, if you posted bond and you have an emergency stay signed by the judge, you're welcome to well, I got a question. You guys didn't get any uh, rescheduling of the, what the eviction date. What I received is a court order signed by a judge. It says you are to vacate these premises today. We were scared this of this. home is owned by the bank. This is the information that we have, you understand? And we're sorry to waste your time, yeah, but sorry. they obviously My didn't office reach offered you $3,500 cash for key settlement from the bank, we which would have given you plenty of time to vacate the premises, and you refused. Yes, sir. Thank you. Well, we didn't refuse. We, we tried to no, save I'm, our home. I'm, we were trying I'm to sorry. save our home. I know this is a very painful time, I know. And it's well, a difficult thing to, to carry through on for me as well. But the, the time has come. You have to leave the property. You are trespassing right now. You are breaking the law. Sir, this is our home. All so right. you just well, we're need a going few in minutes. circles here, so I'm going to let the sheriffs take care of it, okay? Randy? All right. Sir, sir, well, sir. We've got a judge, sir, sir. and a lawyer who told sir, us this, we can stay. Sir, is this your mom? Yeah, this is my yeah. mom. All right, I'm going to need you and your mom to step off the property now. Just, you know what? You if you all can come back, come back tomorrow, same what? time. What? And if we don't have the papers, we don't have the proof, we're in process with a lawyer. We have a lawyer. We have a lawyer. Then we will leave. We got it all figured out. Folks, just give listen, us a day. Listen to me. Give us a we can, day. We can dance together, but we can't talk together. Okay. okay we need, right. not, do not close Sir, the door. We need, not close door. we need a day. Right. We need listen, a day. We need a day. Listen, this is what I'm going to do. Excuse no, me. Do not close we the need door. a day. We need a day. What this I will do is I will give you two minutes to pack whatever belongings you need, you know, cash, checkbook, no, medicine, anything that you need. Yeah, this is this is happening. No, this right, is look. not happening. I'm getting the my cell phone so I can days. get the lawyer out. So this right, can't be happening ma today. Ma'am, go keep it. Ma'am, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Wait, what? Just walking by, sir. I don't listen know if this is. We can't listen to no, no, Excuse no, me, please. Excuse me, please don't come into my Sir, listen to me. Listen to me, sir. There are two ways that we can do this. Right, an easy way, which you do what you're told and ask. Right. The other way is that I take you and your mom to jail. So, Craig, we can avert that with a moratorium on foreclosures of family, homes, and farms, how would such a moratorium work? Well, let's just situate this, Robbie. Right now, we have 450,000 people that are in negative equity in yeah, terms of their underwater. Finance. So yeah. you can't have 450,000 homes of families thrown out in the street. So what we're, we're in the process of drafting is legislation to deal with this crisis. And what this legislation does, it basically says, no, there's not going to be any evictions in farm, family farms or homes. The Treasurer declares an emergency, and for a minimum of 12 months, uh, there's no evictions, there's no foreclosures and nothing like that. It Meanwhile, is the, the banks are being restructured because they've got a lot of exposure here. Yeah, there's a tribunal and stuff yeah, that we're yeah. setting up in order to be able to hear the various cases, but there can't be any actions against people that were yeah. thrown out. Now, there's plenty of precedents in our own laws during the Depression years. Each of the states had various moratoria act that made sure that people stayed in their homes. You had Jack Lang's very famous moratoria act, which operated from 1930 to 1937, where there was no foreclosures whatsoever, right? So there's those precedents. But the other precedent is Franklin Roosevelt's Homeowners and Loan Corporation. Now, it issued a, a million new loans to people who had had problems with their with the, with the private banks that were absolutely extorting them with high interest rates. Yep. After a period of about 15, 20 years, only 200,000 of those loans were foreclosed upon, uh, upon. This wasn't a charity, it was a reorganisation. Those homes were rented out to people who could but then most people it. got to keep their homes. Most people got to keep their homes, and that was the principle. This is a political principle here, Robbie, first and foremost. 
and that's what we're looking at having to introduce in our legislation. And the issue is avoiting a social catastrophe. Exactly. That's, why you that's do the it. first it's not about saying, What's oh, the role of government otherwise? That's right. It's not about saying, oh, it's their own fault, etc. No, no. This is too big a problem that's and right. we have to deal with it this way. We've got details on this. It's in our flyer. You can call in and get a copy of that flyer. Anyway, Craig, we've run out of time as usual. Yep. Thanks very much for your participation yeah, today. Thanks, thanks to the viewers for tuning in and call it, see you next week for more of the CEC Report. Thank you.